Hey everybody, welcome to Listen Money Matters. Ask not what your money can do for you, ask what you can do for your money. My name is Matt and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you and what are you drinking this morning? Hey. 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 Okay. I, I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I polished off my Nutribullet. Of course. Got my, my water over here. Of course. And the window open so everyone can hear the airplanes. It's good. And the police sirens and everything else you got going on in New York City. That's right. You'll hear hear people dying in real time. New York City. Yeah, that's uh, great. Anyway, uh, (laughs) today we're going to talk to Andrew's dad, Mark, about killer resume, writing a killer job resume. That's what we want to talk about today. I have a shit ton of questions to ask him, and we're going to get started. But before we do, if you guys have any questions about personal finance, including income, debt, budgeting, or investing, shoot us an email with your question, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. We are breaking records on the amount of emails we're getting recently, and we can't thank you enough, and we love it. So keep them coming. Also, We want your submissions for catchphrases at the beginning of the show. Today's catchphrase, ask not what your money can do for you, ask what you can do for your money. That was by Jake Lee via Twitter. So send them to us on Twitter, at Money Matters Man. That is our Twitter handle, and we really want to hear from you guys. So let's get into it. Our guest today is Mark Fiebert. He has a site called CareerAlley.com, and he's the father of our co-host, Andrew Fiebert. Mark, how are you? Good. How are you? Uh, Very good. Uh, how are things uh, in New Jersey? They are good. And I am just drinking coffee, by the way. Coffee. Anything good? <laughs> All right, let me ask what kind of coffee you drink. I'm curious. Okay, so it's a K-cup toasted almond, mm. and I'm not sure who makes this one, but that I switch off. That does sound good. Yeah, it is good. All right. I want to jump into it without any hesitation. First okay. question I have. Okay. People are writing a resume, right? This yep. is something I wrestled with myself. Does the friggin' paper matter? No. Really? I, I, would, I don't think it does. I think, first of all, very few people send out their resumes via snail mail these days. I think you should have extra copies of your resume with you when you go on the interview. Mm-hmm. But, you know, most people are just printing out the resume before you get there from a crappy printer to interview you. So I don't have to You put it on, like, the nice resume paper you buy from Staples or anything like that? I don't think so. I think if you show up and you just have it on regular paper, that's fine. I think if you are going to use snail mail, which is another whole uh, yeah. process, you do need to use nice paper. But oh, if you just, okay. So if you're saying if you mail it in. Yeah. And, and that's another whole process where uh, you can't fold it and put it in an envelope because when the person gets it, it's not going to sit flat on their desk. You want to use a flat envelope. Oh. But you do want to use nice paper if you physically mailing it. I like that. You got to use a, one of those flat, large envelopes so that it Absolutely. doesn't fold up. That's, I, I, I never freaking that. thought, yeah, yeah, I never thought of that. I mean, there's a couple of things with that. Number one, it's not going to get lost on the desk. Uh-huh. Number two, if it's an executive, somebody's opening it, they're putting it on the desk, it's going to lay flat. Um, otherwise, it's going to be folded, it's going to get lost, it's going to be shuffled with all the other It's going to look like a bill or something. That's right. Yeah, and I would make the argument, uh, just a, as a marketer, a form, you know, snail mail marketer, that the larger the envelope, the, the, the chances are it, it being opened. Absolutely. So if you just have a regular envelope that looks like it's generic, people just don't open it. Right. Interesting. Okay, what about uh, font style and font size? Does it matter? Um, I think it matters if you use something too small or too big or too unusual. I think any of the normal, you know, Times, Roman, Ariel, any of the normal ones I think is fine. I think 10-point 
to 12 point. I think once you get 12 point, it might look a little big, but 10 point to 12 point. Anything outside of those ranges starts to look a little strange. Yeah, if it's too big or too small. Yeah. So between 10 and 12 points. Yep. And, and then just use a normal font. Don't use one of those script fonts or you know, Comic Sans. Or <laughs> yeah, just, right. Like, unless, unless you're going for some artistic job. So like uh, Helvetica, Arial, yeah. Times yeah. New Roman. Yeah. Uh, Courier New? Uh, you could. That's probably a little boring, but you could. Okay. It's like more like a script, like a movie script yeah. font. Yeah. Okay. I, I would argue most people are not focusing on the font unless it's just like unusual. Okay. Uh, is a cover letter still important? I think a cover letter is still important if the person uh, doesn't know you. If So if it's unintroduced, if you're introducing yourself, I think it's important because it's sort of a foot in the door. I think if you were responding to a specific ad, I think a cover letter helps because um, you, it, very quickly you could just tell them your skills, why you're applying for the job, why you want to work at that company. So I do think it's important. I, I don't think it's as important as it used to be, but I do think it's important. What about what should be included on the cover letter? Because I have no idea what a cover letter should consist of. Uh, usually, well, if you're applying for a specific role, you know, it starts off with, you know, I'm applying for your role of whatever the role is, uh, is advertised, wherever you start advertised, uh, LinkedIn, wherever you happen to see it. Uh, you, you tell them why you want to work at that company. You know, I like XYZ Corp because, I, you know, I think their products are great. Uh, I think I'm the right person for the job. And then you go through this very quickly, this specific skills that lets the hiring manager know you're the right person for the job. You don't talk about experience so much there. And the key point there, and it's also something we talk about on resumes, is you need to try to use some of the same words that are in the job description uh. so that they're seeing that and they're connecting with that. So if it's something like, you know, sales or selling clothes, you know, you want to, you know, I, helped increase sales of, I don't know, dresses by temp. You want to use some of the keywords that are in the, the job description. And do you, uh, when you submit it, do you, like, how do you know who to submit it to? Like, do you, you don't just use to whom it may concern? No, I mean, if it's um, online, uh, I'm not even sure I have a two okay. on there. Uh, but otherwise, it's, you know, uh, dear sir, sir or madam or something like that is fine. If it's a specific individual, and definitely put their name. Not like, hey, guys. No. <laughs> What's up? That's right. I don't would think it, so. Would it be appropriate if you just didn't address it to anyone and the cover letter just kind of like started with a paragraph? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And that's what it was. So what is, uh, what, what goes at the top of the cover letter? Because I understand the body, what you mentioned, but what about like, how do you, how do you even get started with it? So if it's, let's say using indeed.com or simply hired one of those, they allow you to store a resume and cover letters. Uh, so typically, and it's usually like a word document format. So I'll put at the top of the cover letter uh, your name, your address, your email address, your telephone number. Um, so it almost looks like letterhead. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, if you're just sending an email to somebody, you know that's slightly different, and you want to put, you know, at the bottom of your email the same thing, you know, name, address, telephone number, and your LinkedIn link to your profile. Right. Okay. Um, which, which you could put on a, you know, your stationery as well. So I wanted to mention that that question, which I had as well, but Daniel Merle also sent in via Facebook because I, I mean I, the cover letter. I actually used to say, you know, who gives a, who gives a shit about them, right? But do, I guess they still do. Uh, they still do All because right. it it shows interest. It shows number one, you read the, the job description, and it shows interest. And if if they don't get to your resume, then they're never going to know about you. So it's your chance to 
convince them to read your resume. Okay. So, so I will say uh, we were looking to hire someone at work that was stre- uh, fresh out of school. Mm-hmm. And some, some, most people didn't have a cover letter. Some did. And right. I find it really helpful just to kind of like understand them as a person. Because the, right. the, the resume is very like nondescript. But then you mm-hmm. can hear kind of what they're interested voice, in. And, yeah. Yeah. I, I liked it. I actually wished they all had it. But So I guess this next question kind of uh, – doesn't I guess I answered it, but how many pages should it be? The cover letter? The whole resume. The resume really depends upon your amount of experience. I mean if you could if you just have a couple of years experience and you can get it on one page, great. I think once you get more than let's say ten years experience, it's probably going to two pages. Should you try uh, to keep it to one page? You should try to keep it to one page only if it makes sense. If if you've done so many things in let's say five years that extends to, to a little more than one, that's fine. I mean, especially, you know, a lot of people do undergraduate and they'll do like a master's as well. Right. So that might extend it. A lot of people put their extracurricular activities on there as well. Um, so it, it, a lot of it depends upon that. Maybe if they uh, want to work for a nonprofit and they want to discuss all the charities they've worked for or, yeah, you know, yeah. been a part or, of. Yeah, I also think hiring managers are interested to know what you do in your spare time. So like, I uh, actually, I have like a, a Two-part question to that because um, one, like if you're doing your undergrad and you're working, do you count that towards your year's experience? No. So, so even if you're working for like, a, like AT&T or, or something. Right, and you're going to school at night, let's say? Or, I mean, say or, you're doing, yeah, I, I, maybe you're working full-time, uh, working full-time and going to school full-time. I, I guess that's not possible. But, but you're saying you just wouldn't count that? Not as your experience, but you definitely want to let them know that you're going to school at night while you're working. And, and actually the jobs that you had while you were going to school is important, even if it's not specifically what, you, what you're going to school for, because it shows that you're ambitious, you're, you're out there earning money, you're trying to, you know, to do something. Well, because yeah, the, the, the other part was I get a lot of resumes in tech where like they'll have like eight years experience and like literally like eight pages of the resume. Yeah, like it's, it's insane. Crazy, right? It's too so, long. Yeah. So I want to like kind of say, so if the years of experience starts after college, uh, is, can we kind of like have like a rough framework? Like if you're like eight years of experience and under, it's one page. And then beyond that, it's okay for two pages? Or Yeah, I, I think if it's five years or more, it's probably two pages. Um, if it's less than five years, probably one. But especially for, for new grads or people right out of high school trying to get a job, you do want to put the stuff you did even if you were just working at the local cleaners because it shows that you've been out there either dealing with customers or there's tasks that you had to do. Uh, yeah, so that's actually my next question was how many work experiences should you list out? Um, I mean, if and, should you, and should you leave out stuff where you were only there for maybe six months? If you can leave out something, I mean the rule of thumb of six months or less and you could leave it out, yes, leave okay. it out. Um, if it looks like it's going to be a gap, then you probably don't want to leave it out. Okay. I want to move on to some uh, of the uh, what I call ethical questions about okay. a resume, right? So yep. I'm sure you get these as uh, should you use fluffy language or be more descriptive when you're talking about your skills or your past work experiences? And when you say more descriptive, you kind of mean yeah. fluffy. Like I do mean, mean like like ver- like super verbose. Yeah, like basically tr- naming every little tiny thing you did in the most flowery double speak kind of way. No, what you want to, you definitely have to have keywords uh, for two reasons. One is uh, these days with digital job search, 
Um, a lot of recruiters and companies are, are going to just scan for words and look for the keywords that are in their job description. So you, you definitely want to use keywords, but it has to be sort of, uh, and, and action words aren't really used that much anymore. It's more like, um, you know, I headed up sales. Yeah, and what did you do? Well, I increased sales by 10% or I introduced a new product line that, you know, increased traffic to the store. So you want to start off with what your keyword or your experience is and then what was the accomplishment from that? So uh, what, on the whole keyword thing, because I, I didn't realize that. I guess yeah, computers, I are, yeah. computers are like searching these, these things now. So uh, like say, say I'm, like, I'm a database guy. So should I like go above and beyond to fit the word database in like everywhere so I have like the most relevant result? No, I think once you know, once or twice, depending if you had, let's say, three jobs as a database engineer, you'd probably have it three times, but I don't think you want to do it too many times. I mean, if you think about how easy it is to, to submit for a job these days, um, you know, you could, within an hour, probably submit for 20 jobs. So if you look at, let's say, a job that's been on Indeed, simply hired a LinkedIn for, let's say, three days, and you're in a major market, they probably got hundred or hundreds of resumes, and no one is going through that many resumes. They're going to go through, you know, the the top 15 or 20 and bring those people in. So mm. to the extent that your keywords match really closely to the job description and then have some some accomplishment associated with it, you're more likely to get the, the job interview. And hmm. you, know, you can have and should probably have multiple versions of a resume depending upon what your experience is. Yeah. Mm. See, I don't think a lot of people do that. No, I'm sure most One don't. and done, and that's yep. it. And it's yep. just... Rinse and repeat for all of them. Right. But you well, should have multiple ones that fit the job description on the job that you're specifically going for. Right. So maybe if you, let's say, were, and I'm just going to use finance because that's my background. Okay. Maybe one job you had where uh, you were a uh, controller for um, a small company and you and it was a public company, right? So that might be something you would focus on. Uh, and then maybe another role you're doing more budgeting and analysis so depending upon the role you were going for, you might have one resume that focuses, still has all your experience, but really keys in on the budgeting and analysis. Or maybe you're going for another role as a controller where you really want to focus in on the, on the controller aspect. So um, it, it depends upon your experience. Uh, obviously, if you've only had one role that you've played, you probably just have one resume. So in this customization, uh, how... Well, how important is it to change your objective, and is the objective even important? I don't think people use objectives anymore, to be honest with you. I think it was a big thing five to ten years ago, 15 years ago. I think that most people don't do objectives anymore. I think you lead with a paragraph. I am a you know, data-based engineer with 10 years' experience working mm-hmm. in financial institutions, You know, sort of like a, just a lead-in paragraph. Uh, no, I don't really, I haven't seen in a long time a resume that has uh, an objective on it. Because I absolutely have an objective <laughs> on mine. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure it's a bad thing, but I think most people lead with, you know, lead. So, so I just want to make, wait, I want to point out that your dad's saying that you're old school. <laughs> <laughs> just want to point that out. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, some people don't even lead with an objective or a starting paragraph. They just start with, you know, one of their most recent experiences which is okay, but it really helps hiring managers that are going through lots of resumes if you just have a little blurb at the top. So, so you do think it's like a nice touch to have like one to three sentences in place of where an objective would be just to kind of say like, this is me. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, arguably, your resume is the most important document you'll have in your career because of what's, what gets you in the door. So if, if, it's, if it's not going to be good, it's not going to happen. Hmm. Uh, what about the idea of going on to, and this is what I've done in the past, you go on to Google, you type in right. resume template, you look at the images or whatever, <laughs> and you start copying. And then you can obviously, like, you get, it helps, I think it helps me to get started somewhere. Is that a good idea? I actually think that's the best thing to do because it's a lot easier to take something and change it than it is to start from scratch. And okay. there are just so many examples out there of resumes, real ones and not real ones, that um, you know you, you could definitely do it. One thing that, that a lot of people don't know is if you have your resume on Indeed.com and you don't have it set to private. Uh, What's MD.com? I'm sorry, Indeed. Indeed. Oh, Indeed, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Um, and you don't have it set to private. Anyone, even a non-recruiter, can find that resume. So if I'm searching for Andrew Fiebert or I'm searching for a database engineer in Hoboken, Andrew's name and his resume is going to come up. Uh, and a lot of people actually don't know that. And I actually have a post on privacy, especially if your employee doesn't know you're looking for a job. But, but the point is you can pull up a lot of real resumes to get an idea of you know, what other people are doing. Uh, who but you don't know background. if they're effective, though. No, you don't know if they're effective, but then you know, separately you'll probably want to spend some time reading some experts' advice on what is an effective resume, okay. what should you include, what should you exclude. Or listen to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. exactly. Right. Or, or, or go to careerally.com. There you go. <laughs> uh, so I did this once, and I was told it was stupid. So the question is, and I'm going uh, to ask the question, I'm going to tell you what I did, and I want you to tell me if I was stupid or not. Okay. So I was told by a headhunter that this We're was. We're just like, going to say yes. Okay, fair enough. No. <laughs> so uh, what I'll t- what I did was I was trying to get a job as a graphic designer, and I did a resume that was a full, you know, was one page. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, you know, edge to edge, so there was no margins on it, and right. it had a background. It was fully colored. It had a giant cartoon of me, and the entire like a resume was a like an illustration. You know, it was like a, it was like a colorful cartoon of like me in a in a pink shirt, and then it had like my social media contacts, and then it had all my you know work experiences and my uh, skills, and it had all my information about me at the top, and it was just I thought it was cool looking, and I guess the question is, does it pay to get creative depending on the job you're going for? Uh, I actually don't think that's stupid. I think okay. if you're going something that's creative, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think. But what if you're not? What if you're just like applying mm-hmm. at? No, nah, if you're going to be an accountant or something like that, and I say no, just keep it. Keep but what it about? Fast. I mean, you would stand out from every other accountant if you had that resume. Yeah, but I work with a lot of accountants, and I'm not sure they would appreciate the fact that you stood out. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you stood out because you had this amazing experience, or you 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 had worked for somebody who was very well known, but if it's kind of flashy. And again, it depends upon the, the type of role. But what do you, I would say, okay, I, that makes sense. <laughs> All right, so I did okay for my uh, role. But yeah, I, I think that's a good thing to do. They made me change it because they were trying to put me into a uh, programming job, even though I always said, I, I mean, I have programming skills, yes, but I'm a graphic designer. And they're like, well, you know how to program, right? So we can put you – because that's what they do. You know, that's, right. that was their – But that, So that's a perfect example of why you'd have two different resumes, one for programming. And I for see. Design. Okay, good. So uh, what do you think is the most important part of a resume and which you should spend the most time on? I think you should, you know, like you'd be surprised how many people have grammatical errors, misspellings. Huh. Uh, I think you should spend the most time on, and it's almost like having a website and looking at, at, at AdSense or one of those looking at keywords. What are the keywords? What are the things that 
are going to get somebody's attention. So I think you spend some time on the keywords and how you best represent the experience you have. Uh, and using your example from before, you know, pull up a resume of another graphic designer who's been very successful. What do they have on their resume? Uh, so I think it's it's really um, the structure, and there's, there's a lot of different formats you could use, and I don't think any one format, whether it's chronological or just experience-based, really matters as much. I think it's really the, the content. It's got to be concise. You've got to have the keywords, and you have to have accomplishments in there. All right, and you think it's better to be short and to the point? Short and to the point because you're going to get in, you're going to have an interview, and they're going to ask you all the detailed questions then. Okay. What, and you mentioned in the beginning uh, the delivery method. What is yeah. the best? What's the most effective one? I think – well, I, th- I think I have two trains of thought on that. Okay. Um, one is the, what everyone does, which is the sort of the electronic. I'm going to go on to one of the sites and yeah. my resume. Uh, the other is um, – and let's say you are a graphic designer or let's say you're in marketing. Uh, you, you go onto the internet. You look up some companies you like to work for. You find out the name of their head of marketing. You get their uh, – the address of the company. And then you physically mail your resume to that person and you personalize it. In this case, you put their name, you say, I followed your career, you know, and you, you put a bunch of stuff and this is why I want to work with your company. So in that case, it's sort of like a cold call. They may not have a specific job. You're sending it to one person. And I think two things are going to happen. Number one is um, if it's a really senior person, you're probably going to get an interview because they're going to hand it to someone and say, hey, take care of this. And that person's going to have you come in even if they don't have a job. Um, the other is maybe they do have a job, uh, you know, and you get, you get your foot in the door. I think the, the anonymous, I'm going to send my resume via LinkedIn. It's just very hard. You've got to send out lots of resumes, uh, quickly. Like if there's a job out there that's been out there for, for more than a week, I'm not really sure I'd waste my time. They probably got hundreds of resumes. Try to catch the ones that are for the last couple of days. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, what about referrals and letters of recommendation. You think they're still important? I think they're still important. I think that the three main ways you get a job is um, you know, applying to ads, stuff like that. Using a recruiter who, no matter how much they say you're a great person, they're really representing the company and you're just something they're selling. Um, and the other is your network, which is, is so super important. Um, and it's whether, you know, first of all, you should let everyone in your network know you're looking for a job if you're out of work. You should be selective if you're working and you don't want your employer to know, but you should still leverage your network. You should look for those people who are working at organizations where you'd like to work. But then even if you wind up getting an interview through a recruiter or a job you've applied to, you should then use your network to see, is anyone that I know in my network working there? And LinkedIn is great because it'll tell you someone who knows someone who knows someone who works right, there. Right. Uh, and then you can get kind of the inside scoop or maybe you can get like kind of a good word put in. Um, so, so that helps as well. How do you ask for a letter of recommendation? Uh, well, LinkedIn these days, is one of the key components to, I'm sure you've seen it where you, yeah. you get a certain score and, um, I just ask people, I have no hesitation to yeah, ask. You know what? I've done that and I did well with that actually. Yeah. Not, I did it for my own, you know, trying to build in my link, LinkedIn profile. I wasn't even trying to get a job. I'm like, Hey, would you recommend me? They're like, sure. And they write this, you know, it could be a couple sentences, but then it could get really long and, so if you're putting that into a uh, a printed one, you just print that out and kind of put it on stationery. Yeah. And T- typically, yeah. So so typically, it's it's always on my LinkedIn profile if I've asked people. Sure. Um, if somebody asks me for a letter of reference, I usually even if the person has done it for me before, 
you know, I'll ask them again, hey, could I reuse something you've given me or would you do another one? Uh, most employers, usually it's not something you would bring with you to an interview. They'll usually ask you when you're in the latest stages, um, are there some people I could talk to about you or right. do you have a letter? letter oh, so you shouldn't put those on your resume? No, no. Okay, and, just have uh, them in your back pocket. Absolutely. Okay. You'd be surprised how many people give out a reference and a reference name and they haven't asked the person can I use you as a reference? And I actually had one a guy that used to work for me, who really nice guy, wasn't all that good. I would never hire him again, um, and gave my name out as a reference. Never Ooh. called me and asked me. And I kind of like the person on the other side knew I had nothing good to say, so I wasn't going to say anything. But, but isn't that the law? Like kind of like the rule? Is that absolutely okay? Absolutely. Is it law? No. Okay. Not at all. Just a rule. Right. Yeah. I guess they could sue you though, couldn't they? No, not at all. But you know, oh, okay. if, if somebody like in this case, you know, the guy literally, um, I didn't think he did a good job. Like if he had called me and said, "Hey, I want to use your name as a reference," you know, I would have said to him, "Listen, I'm not sure I'm the, the right person for that." Ah, um, okay. But uh, you know, the last thing you want to do is give a name out and say, "Oh, that person was really bad." Well, you, you mentioned uh, LinkedIn a lot. Yep. Uh, so uh, if you don't have a LinkedIn profile and you're looking for a job, you think you should work on building one? Absolutely, it's yeah. the first. It's the first place people look. Even if your resume came in through a recruiter, and now they decide, All right, I'm going to interview this person. If HR hasn't done it, then you, as the manager, you're probably going to go on to the LinkedIn profile and see what this person's about. Okay, so that's important. Yeah, and then okay. sort of in the reverse, if I'm interviewing someone, I say, Hey, someone I used to work with is linked to this person. I'm going to call them and say, Hey, is this person any good? Should I bring them in? What do you know about them? This is more of a. Uh I guess maybe an ethical question, or I don't know what kind of question this is. Uh, is experience more important than education? Um, I would say yes. I would say, and it's, it's a really difficult question because certain right. things you, you need to have the credentials in certain, like accounting is a good example. Could you do accounting without an accounting degree? Yes, you could, but if you have the accounting degree, um, it's, I think it's more, and if you have education, I think it's more about what you did once you got your degree than it is. Your degree starts to become less important, but if you don't have it, you're, you're, depending upon the role, yeah, you're probably not getting in. So I think it, it depends. So on that point, I feel like the, like literally the hardest part is, is taking your experience and like getting it onto the resume. Mm -hmm. Do you have any like tricks on how to do that like i mean say i was applying for a job and i want to use listen money matters as a, as a reference like how can i even convey that yeah you know daniel murrow had the same question you know if he had you know if he has experience like building a website or something how do you put that down on the resume mm. uh, that's a good question i mean if it's something like like that uh, I think you just you know you'd be blunt about it you say you know launched uh, such and such website and, uh, you know, you, you give the link, you give some background on what you've done, you give some background on uh, this is how quickly we, we got, uh, you know, pe people, you know, clicking in and reading. Um, yeah, All right, I'm not so sure that, if I answered your question. But no, I mean, sort of, because it, I guess it depends on the job you're going for, too. If, like, right. if you're going to get a job as a, I don't know, I don't even know, like an accounting major, you know, you're going to get a job in accounting. Right. And right. you designed a website about something completely unrelated. You don't even have to put that on there, and I right. probably would. You probably wouldn't, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Um, but, but if you're going to get a job, let's say going in to be, get a job as a, uh, a portfolio manager, and you had a website on personal finance, that probably is something you would put in there. 
because you had you know x x number of listeners, and you know. So I think it really depends upon the type of role. So uh, uh, further on that line, I mean, say like you know you know you know what your your experience is, but is there like a proper way to to phrase it? Like when when you read an, an item, like should it be like answering a question? I mean, like how do you kind of structure that? No, uh, it, it, it's. You really should think about wherever you work. You know, what were the top five or ten things you accomplished? You know, because if you're in, let's say you're a, you're a database engineer, you know, probably ninety percent of what you do every day is the same as you know everyone else who has that role. But on that ten percent, like, what are the things you accomplished that are specific to being a database engineer? And then you focus on those. You know, uh, you want to put, you know, like manage the staff of five. Uh, you know, I'm not a database engineer, so I can't give you the specifics. But you know, you want to—it's—it's it's going to be really concise and and to the point. It's not going to be flowery. You know, nobody wants to read that. Um, and and that's another way to keep your resume kind of short. So you want to just—you know—what are your skills? What did you do? What did you accomplish? Um, and they want to see a natural progression. So if you've been working for five years, they're going to expect to see some type of movement where you got more responsibility or you got promoted. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, other people who are in the same role for five years and that doesn't happen. Yeah, there are. And maybe you focus more on your accomplishments. But if your accomplishments got you promoted, you definitely want to highlight that. But it's not, you know, it's not a biography. You know, it's, it's short to the point. You know, the, the chance for your biography will come up in the interview. Uh, one last thought on that. So say I had this job for like, you know, three years. Is there like an excessive amount of bullet items? Like, there, like if I have like 20, you yeah, know, like that's like yeah. way too much. Like how do I kind of gauge that out? And bullet, probably, how do you, yeah, how do you break it down and maybe tighten it up? Yeah, I think, you know, probably less than 10 bullet points. Per um, any individual job. Yeah, and then, uh, so you know, that, that's a good rule of thumb. Is that like normal? Um, I don't know if I would say normal. I mean, it, obviously, your most current job should have the most meat to it, so it should have the most information about what you did and what you accomplished. Ah, okay. And then, as you go back in your experience, let's say you had five jobs, your first job is going to be, um, you know, like might even just be the name of the company. And um, okay, so like almost probably, like tier it that way. Exactly. exactly. And is there is there ever a, a moment like is there ever a job? Uh, that you should leave out, like is there like besides the six month thing, you know, if it's six months or less, is there any other reasons you should leave out job experience? Only if it's totally unrelated to like okay. Uh, but, so let me give you a good example. I, I interviewed a guy the other day who somehow uh, had a two year gap in his resume where he wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my advice to someone like that is uh, do volunteer work or do some consulting work if you can. Do something so that. When, and the man, the guy's going to ask, the woman's going to ask, what were you doing though this training? You know, so if you say, looking for a job, it's not going to sound very good. But I say, you know what? I was looking for a job, but I was also volunteering my time at the local school. Or, you know, uh-huh. uh, so I think um, you leave something out if it's unrelated, but if it creates a big gap, you're going to want to talk about it because the question will come up. You know, All right. So you want to avoid gaps. Let right. me ask uh, is it okay to embellish in these areas? Like, if you didn't volunteer, but you could be like, oh, yeah, I was doing Habitat for Humanity. It's not like they can really look into that, you know? <laughs> well, probably Habitat for Humanity probably could, but yeah. Maybe, yeah, right. Okay. I think you should, without being an absolute liar, you know, I- I embellish as best as you can. Okay. Just to cover those gaps. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But but on the other hand, you know, if you are out of work, 
um, if you're out a month or two or three, you know, that, that's not a big deal. You should, while you're at work, think about those things. Like, what else can I do to keep current so that I'm active? Because you know what? You're going to meet people, if, especially if you're doing volunteer work, and you never know who's gonna, going to help you. So it, it helps fill the gap, and it helps get other contacts for you. Well, let me ask. When I was unemployed, I was unemployed for a, month, a year and a half. And I mean, I guess I'm technically still unemployed at this point. But if I were to ever try to go back, back and get a job... I, sh- I should probably mention that I'm, I do website work. Right? Absolutely, that's yeah, like something. That's what, okay, right, right. Uh, what about internships? Should you put those on there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that when you are a junior, actually, probably a sophomore and a junior in college, um, the most important thing you could do either on the winter break, but certainly in the summers, is do internships because employers look for that. They want to know. Number one is real world experience. So. When you're coming out of school, you have a little more appreciation of what's going to be accepted. Uh, and, you know, you just get that, that experience. And there are so many people who wind up doing an internship and it winds up getting them a job by the time they, they graduate. And uh, even if the employer doesn't keep her, you should put it on there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, and even if it's something that's not totally related. So maybe you did an internship. Uh, let's say you're a graphic designer, but you did an internship. Uh, helping build houses for people in I don't know, Africa, as an example. Okay. It just shows that you weren't just sitting at the beach during the summer doing nothing. You know, you actually did something useful. All right. So uh, first off, I want to give a shout out to Daniel for all those a couple of those questions because they were really good and uh, definitely helped me come up with some stuff. But I have a few final questions that I want to get to sure. to kind of wrap this conversation up because I think it's. I mean, if anyone out there is looking for a job and needs a resume tips, I hope you had a pen and paper. <laughs> if you were in your car, I apologize. Uh, show notes. We'll yeah, have, show, we'll yeah, we're show obvi- notes. yeah, we're obviously going to have an epic show notes for this. Uh, what is the co- a common resume section that everyone adds but usually isn't needed? Um, I would say a common resume section Objectives. that everybody adds. Objectives, yeah. <laughs> so, so Andrew could take that off of his. Okay. And I'll I take your argue- resume. I would argue that you don't necessarily need to put your hobbies and interests on your resume. I think if you're fresh out of school, you do because you need to put something on a resume. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, especially if, you, especially if you're a captain of the football team or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I think otherwise, you know, people usually ask, what do you do in your spare time type of thing. Oh, you know what? Uh, so I think I put snowboarding on one of my resumes. I'm not going to lie. What about uh, fraternities? Or like sororities. Nah, I would leave those off because okay. some people get get emotional about that, especially if it's competing, you know, sorority. But fraternity. what if it helps you get a job? Well, it could it could right? help you get a job, and and if people see you were, you could say fraternity. Okay. And then let them ask. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, and if, if they're a rival fraternity, I guess you're right. <laughs> it might be and bad. It, SOL, if, it's, yeah. if it's a credential, if it's something like you were the president, uh, maybe exactly, okay. or you you were captain of the debating team, or. Okay. You know, it definitely should go on there, but if it's just like you know, I like to read and watch movies, I would leave it off. What do you think? Fat. What do you think are the factors that make or break a resume? I think the factors that make or break a resume are um, the way it looks, because if it looks sloppy, um, not well organized. I think if it has uh, poor grammar, misspellings, um, you know, I, I think that that's a uh, you know not going to help at all. I think, and, and this one is, is silly, but it's not, you'd be surprised how many people have some wacky email address, like um, <laughs> you know, beer, beer drinking king at gmail.com. Yeah. And that's what they use for, you know, the resume. So any, anything like that, that's going to be a little bit 
you know, out my, there. Uh, my old email address was Darwin is great at hotmail.com. Yeah. I would not use that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, okay. So, uh, I think we covered a lot. Yeah. All right. Here's the problem. What? Uh, some people who I know personally, <clears throat> who are going to listen to this episode are not very technically skilled with actually making one on say word for instance, or a computer or a computer, for instance. So what do you think is the best resource or software for making a resume if you don't have any skills with Word? Um, I would if I, I, have a, I have a follow up to this, too. OK, uh, I think you have two options. One is many recruiters will help you with okay. that. OK, OK, because uh, certainly you could, it could look really ugly in Word or really ugly in a text format. They'll, they'll help you with that because they're going to change it around a little bit anyway. Mm-hmm. And the other is you could consider, you know, a resume writer as, you know, there are a lot of firms that do it. They cost money. Um, I think you have to weigh how much money do you want to spend. Uh, but if you're totally helpless with that, it's certainly a good investment. Um, and then going back to one of the original things is, you know, it, looking at other resumes help. But if you totally have no idea how to get it into Word and make it look good, I would use a recruiter and I would use a resume writing service. Uh, what about, is there a resume writing software? There's resume writing software, but if you can't use Word, I highly doubt you're going to be able to use resume writing software. So my follow-up is, should you learn how to use Word to make your resume look better and actually put that on your resume as a skill? No. Okay. You should definitely put on your resume as a skill you know how to use Word, but I wouldn't put, because you learned how to do your resume on it. No, I know that, but I'm, yeah. but you should put that as a skill. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Word. I mean, to be honest with you, most people expect, you know, Word and Excel, Word and, Excel yeah. and that stuff. So yeah. omit those, really. Yeah. In, in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah. If you have specialized programming or a software experience, put that. But if it's like the standard stuff, I think it's expected, you know. Okay. Good. Andrew, uh, do you have any more questions for, uh, for uh, your day? I, I've talked with him in length about this for, for some time. So, <laughs> Have you helped uh, Andrew with his? Yeah. I remember when Andrew first graduated from college. It was uh, definitely... Hmm. And I said, we use some of those. Like, how many resumes do you mail out? You mail that a lot. I thought- An insane amount. My, the, my entire approach comes from him. Like, uh, we, I create a spreadsheet of all the companies and their emails and, and the people yeah. and who I did every day. And he, he has like some really effective ways to just crank it out. Yeah. I, I mean, anyway, just one last bit of advice sure. is that um, I'm a firm believer in, you know, flood the market because the more people that know about you, the more likely you're going to find a job. Some people will tell you, be very selective. You don't want to flood the market. I think some of it depends upon whether you're literally out of work or you've got a job and looking for another one. But I think that um, like any product, the more people who know that it's out there, the more likely somebody's going to buy it. Perfect. That was a great way to end it. Mark, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, guys, thanks for hanging out with us today. And remember, if you have wait, any wait, questions. Real, real, no, real I'm quick. in the middle of something. <laughs> no, no. Uh, he also has a website. Where I'm going to get to that. All right, fine. <laughs> I have a whole I, thing. I hate you, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is what we deal with every Wednesday. In this case, whatever. <laughs> I guess I get to forget how we do things I know, right? every time we do it. <laughs> so, guys, if you have questions about resume writing, you can email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com and check out careeralley.com. That is Mark's website. And you have some information on there about resume writing. I saw that. And job uh, seeking. Tons. Yep. Excellent. Tons. 
And listen, guys, uh, if you like the show, and of course we hope that you do, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen. And I'm going to read one, a good one. It's uh, Practical Actionable Information by Captain Jack 1550. Five stars. Excellent. Uh, There is a lot of information out there, and a lot of it is pie in the sky, get rich quick information. I've enjoyed this podcast because every episode contains a great nugget of information that I can apply to my financial situation. Thanks and keep it up. Well, I hope, uh, Captain Jack 1550, that not only did you get one nugget in this particular interview, you got plenty of nugs in this interview. (laughs) Excellent. So, uh, guys, uh, listen, if you're into Betterment, and I know we've been pushing this a lot, but check out www. Do I even have to say the www anymore? Go to the internet and trip dub, trip dub, listenmoneymatters.com slash Betterment. If you want to sign up for Betterment, uh, highly recommend it as an investment, easy investment tool. Check it out. And obviously, if you guys go there and you set up an account, that is going to help. They're going to send us an affiliate check. And that is going to help us pay for hosting so that we can continue to bring you the show every single day. That's why we have to say it. And we want to say it because Betterment's awesome. So last but not least, if you guys want to learn more about personal finance and money management and whatever else, we are always writing new stuff and posting up new episodes of this very show at listenmoneymatters.com. So that's it. Thanks again, Mark, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And thanks for hanging out with us, Andrew. We'll see you on the next episode. Later. Later. Later.